Hello, politics lovers. This is Keith Geryan, the Edmonton Journal's legislature columnist. Thanks for tuning in to the Press Gallery interview, our new little feature here at the Edmonton Journal. You're about to listen to our fourth ever edition, so that's pretty exciting. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And if you like what you hear, uh, please give us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Press Gallery interview, the midweek version of our podcast. My name is Keith Ryan. I am the uh, legislature columnist for the Edmonton Journal. If you uh, don't recognize my voice, that's because I have a bit of a cold today. It's giving me a little bit of a, an extra baritone. Uh, my guest today also has a bit of a baritone, uh, though you come by it a little more naturally. Uh, it is uh, the United Conservative Party's House Leader and the MLA for Rimby, Rocky Mountain House Sundry. I hope I got that right. Jason Nixon. That's correct. Rimby, Rocky Mountain House Sundry, and everywhere in between. Okay. Well, thanks for being here. You were also known, I think, as the uh, the tallest man in the legislature, tallest person. How tall are you? So I am. I like to say, Keith, that I'm five foot uh, twenty, which is six foot eight. So that's. <laughs> and interestingly enough, we actually just nominated uh, a gentleman by the name of Joseph Scow down in uh, in the Cartson area, who's actually taller than me. So oh, unfortunately, wow. I'm not going to have that title for much longer. No, no, no. If if all goes according to plan, uh, six months from now, that's right. Uh, well, there'll be two bigger people uh, potentially in the front row. For, uh, for your party. Another thing I think people probably don't know about you, your dad uh, was involved with the mustard seed in, in Calgary. Uh, w- what was his role there? Uh, my dad uh, was the founder of the mustard seed, uh, both in Calgary and Edmonton, and uh, played a big role in the mustard seed in Victoria. And he was the chief executive officer of the mustard seed for uh, 30 years. Oh, wow. Uh, and I, I was the executive director of the mustard seed for a little over a decade as well. Oh, okay. All right. So you, you have grown up around this for much of your life. The, the, the mustard seed was a big part of my childhood, uh, for sure. It was, and it still is. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to sort of more current matters. This uh, this fall session, uh, you've kind of been pulling double duty. You're the House Leader, obviously, but you've also been acting as the party spokesman quite a bit because the leader, Jason Kenney, has yet to, to speak to the media. Uh, we're recording on a Tuesday, and this episode doesn't come out till Wednesday, so things may change uh, before, before then. But um, I guess, why are you the only one doing the talking so far for your party? Well, I don't think it's it's abnormal. Uh, you know, my role as the House Leader is to to represent the leader in Edmonton, uh, to represent uh, him and the work that we do as a caucus in the legislature. Uh, you know, it's not that uh, that I am now the spokesperson. I'm spending my uh, my time doing my house duty roles, and I'm making myself available to the media like I would at, at any other time. But don't you think it's odd that an opposition leader, normally somebody who would want a lot of publicity, has has yet to take any opportunity to speak to the legislature press gallery? Uh, you know, I, I know uh, Jason uh, spends a lot of time talking to media all across the province. Um, I'm sure that uh, he will uh, he'll, he'll be talking to the, the press gallery again soon. Uh, this is an individual who's traveling everywhere, spending a significant amount of time uh, representing our party to get us ready for an election. And I just think sometimes there's there's not time to be able to uh, to accommodate uh, the press gallery each and every day. But it, certainly, I, I suspect you'll hear from him soon, and you'll hear from him regularly. Okay. Well, it does seem odd that, you know, he hasn't been able to find even 10 minutes sometime in the first week. But the, some of the speculation around why that is, is that he he doesn't want to talk about some of the, the controversies with the party right now, including some of the, the people with extreme views that, that have seemed to be attracted to the party. I guess asking you this question, how concerned are you by the fact that that seems to keep happening? 
Well, first of all, I, I don't think Jason Kenny is attempting to uh, avoid uh, talking about anything. I mean, he's, uh, he's he's talking to press on a regular basis. Is very vocal on social media and uh, certainly is is not avoiding talking about this issue. Uh, concerned about it, it, it continuing to happen. I mean, here here is the reality. I mean, there are there are individuals, uh, unfortunately, in society that have uh, extreme views that they're inappropriate views. Uh, my view, though, is that our party and our, our leaders should be judged on how they handle those situations when they when they come up. And uh, Mr. Kenny has been clear that th- that type of view is not uh, acceptable in our party. It will not be tolerated, hateful views, uh, and that he will take action each and every time. And, you know, I have served under several leaders in my, my time in politics, uh, and, and I've been very impressed with Jason's leadership on this. He, he takes action quickly. Uh, he's true to his word that this is not acceptable in our party. Uh, and that's what I judge Jason on, and I think he's handled these these very well. Well, one of the things he's done is he's uh, he's called for the party to put in com- some kind of vetting process for all new members, which could be thousands and thousands of people potentially. Uh, you already have 130,000 members. How feasible is that? How how is the party actually going to get that done to to vet and check all new membership applicants? Well, it, it's a big job. You're, as you mentioned, we have 130,000 members. Uh, the reality is, I think that it would be almost counterproductive to go into to the details of how the party will handle that because it, I don't want to talk about how you know, how they vet or their, their type of techniques. And to be honest, I don't know all of them. Uh, the, what's important, though, is that the leader of the United Conservative Party has instructed his party to do that. Uh, and I, uh, I fully anticipate that the party will, uh, will accommodate his request. Sort of looking ahead to the next election, if the polls are correct, the latest ones we saw, uh, your party's in a very comfortable lead. Um, and, and, you know, if it were held today, you'd probably win a, a resounding majority. But I, I think there is this perception out there that if this keeps happening, uh, that could trip you up. Uh, I, I'm certainly talking to friends in, in Calgary and other places uh, who plan to vote for your party. They, they are, they're concerned about this. This is something that they don't like uh, with the UCP. Uh, how concerned are you that this is maybe the one thing that might prevent you from an election victory next spring? Well, look, first of all, in the polls, I, they're a snapshot in time. I think the United Conservative Party recognizes uh, that, you know, as our leader says, that we need to stay humble, we need to work hard, we need to earn every vote, and we're going to continue to do, the, do that. Concerned specifically that that issue could could uh, you know stop uh, the United Conservative Party election chances. I'm not concerned, but I can tell you why, and that's because I have a great trust in our leader Jason Kenney's ability to handle that, to, to take action. Uh, and I think Albertans will judge him on the fact that he is taking action on on, on this issue. Uh, it's very clear the United Conservative Party uh, does not tolerate uh, this type of behavior, and as long as uh, Jason continues to lead that way, I, I'm not concerned at all. So speaking of the election, uh, you're on the on the doorsteps a lot in, in your community. You've talked about it a bit. What are some of the issues, the, the top issues you're hearing from constituents? The, the top issue, with, without a doubt, is still the carbon tax that I hear about every day. Uh, my constituents are, 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 are furious, quite frankly, about the carbon tax. They're, they're excited that the United Conservative Party uh, plans to get rid of it. Uh, the second issue we hear about probably the most is the economy and jobs. Uh, I still have a lot of constituents who are not working. Uh, they're very concerned about where uh, the economy is, is headed underneath the NDP government. They're concerned about some of the decisions that the NDP have made that, that in their view, have prolonged or made this recession uh, worse. Uh, and you hear that everywhere we go. You know, for example, Rocky Mountain House, I was doing their Chamber Business Awards uh, a couple weeks ago, and this is a community that lost 16 businesses uh, in the last year. And it's a small community. 16 businesses are, are a lot. And so that's the number one thing that people are talking about on the door. Uh, is which of these political leaders and which of these parties can get our economy back on track. Well, some of the things you've, you've proposed there, uh, getting rid of the carbon tax, um, uh, uh, 
potentially doing something with income taxes and so on. When are we going to see sort of the meat and potatoes of, of how you're going to restore, um, I think you call it Alberta's economic advantage, right? I think you've used that phrase quite a bit. Like any other opposition party, we'll be coming forward with a very detailed platform as we head towards the election. You'll see it from the United Conservative Party a lot uh, earlier than you saw it from the NDP last election, who released their platform, I believe, 16 days or so into the actual election period. Uh, we will start to release our platform in advance of that, uh, and we'll uh, we'll campaign on it. And Albertans will know exactly where we stand and where the United Conservative Party wants to go. In the meantime, our job, we, we still have taken an oath to be the official opposition uh, in Alberta, and we have a responsibility here to, to hold the government to account, and we will do that until the last day uh, of this legislature. Um, so we'll continue to balance those issues uh, as, as we go through the last six months of, of this term. Well, getting into the, I guess, the meat and potatoes of, of the session that we've had so far, uh, you, your party has been, um, you know, attacking the government on a number of fronts. Uh, uh, Bill C- 69, some of the, uh, the government's uh, revenue projections, uh, the debt uh, and the carbon tax. Uh, one of the other things you've been bringing up is uh, health care wait times. Uh, th- there are some concerns there. What, 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 is, uh, what is your concern? Well, the, the NDP have increased spending on health care in their time in office by 14%. But then we've seen uh, waiting, wait times actually also increase at the same time despite that increase in spending. Uh, and so we have concerns about that because, again, at a, at a real human level, if you go to one of my constituency offices when we're home on the weekend and talk to constituents that are waiting on waiting lists in pain uh, to be able to get surgery, that's, that's a serious issue that, uh, that we want to you know, to, to fix, and the NDP indicated that they would. They spent more money on it, but the outcomes have went down. And so we've been asking the NDP a lot of questions on, you know, how that is, because this is not a question of spending if they've increased it by 14%. It's a question of the outcomes underneath, uh, the, underneath the NDP's management of this healthcare file. And unfortunately, we haven't, we haven't got an answer from the government on, on how that is the case. And I, I know lots of Albertans are, are very concerned about this. Uh, and I, I don't think unless there's an honest conversation with the government on what has happened, uh, that we can actually try to address it. Yeah, I mean, certainly some of the statistics are, I've been concerned about as well. Uh, cataract surgeries, hip and knee replacements, uh, among other things. Also, uh, you guys brought up the uh, the fact that child mental health services are, are falling behind as well. Um, can you can you detail some of your concerns there? Well, there's some reports out that show that child mental health services are, are falling behind by uh, drastic numbers. I don't have the percent right in front of you, but it's, pr- it's fairly significant. Uh, and we know there's a bunch of spinoff to that that actually costs the system more. And, and, and when we're not uh, helping to address those issues at a young age, then those, the, the consequences from those mental health issues actually are compounded. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a real serious issue uh, that needs to, to be discussed. Uh, and again, because we can't get a straight answer from the government on why, uh, you know, what, what has went wrong or have an open conversation that is not partisan. Uh, because the only response that we get when we ask these questions of the government is, is, is partisan attacks on what they perceive as possibly our policy. The reality is we're not going to be able to fix this when it comes to wait times of child mental health. And so that, that for me has been frustrating as an opposition MLA that we, even when we ask very simple questions, I, I think I did a couple of days or last week, I asked some pretty simple questions on wait times. And all it was was a partisan attack on, on us as a party, which I get, I get, I get partisan politics. But if the minister doesn't want to have a real conversation about this, we're not going to be able to fix it. It is interesting seeing kind of the back and forth uh, on that issue in the legislature and trying to get the why. The why is a complicated answer, but do you have any ideas on, on how you would fix this problem of, of rising wait times? Well, I mean, some of the, this will be talked about in detail, of course, in our platform, but some of the ideas that we've already talked about in the past are utilizing some of the facilities that we already have in the province that aren't being utilized. I'll give you an example. One of my hospitals, uh, Rimby, uh, Rimby's hospital is a fairly modern hospital and has, has operating rooms that aren't even being used. 
you know, so we saw when they added the uh, gallbladder surgery process to the old hospital that the waiting times went down. Um, so one of the big things I'd like to see explored is the possibility of using some of our rural facilities that we already have to be able to deal with some of those more minor surgeries to be able to free up uh, the bigger stuff inside the big hospitals. But wouldn't that require adding more money to the healthcare system, hiring more staff for those rural facilities? Yeah, look, the, the United Conservative Party has not said that, uh, that we would not uh, be in a position or, or not have to at some point add uh, more money uh, to our system. The problem we have right now, again, is that the NDP have increased uh, the spending on healthcare overall by 14%, and the wait times have want, not went down at the same time. And that's the conversation we want to have. It's not about spending. If the money has to be spent to be able to deal with this, that's a fair point. But if we're spending the money and the outcomes are going down, that's we have to figure out why. Okay. Well, the other thing that some people bring up in, in regards to the UCP's uh, approach to healthcare is the potential for more private care options. Is wh- What's your view on, on doing that kind of thing? Well, look, we, we stand by the Canada Health Act. We believe that uh, public health care uh, is important, but that we have to have a, a broader conversation on how, um, how we make sure that we can keep care of people that are uh, in, uh, in the line and how we utilize uh, the system and different avenues to be able to make sure that we keep care of our, our citizens and give them the outcomes that they expect. Okay. Well, turning to a, a slightly different topic, there was some news yesterday at the legislature, uh, an NDP backbencher, uh, Robin Luff, uh, got turfed out of the, the NDP caucus for a, a letter and some comments she made on social media, I think, uh, having to do with uh, a feeling that she had that she's been bullied and intimidated by uh, her party, that she doesn't have a, a proper avenue to advocate uh, for her constituents because everything that she does is scripted, whether it's uh, member statements, questions in the legislature, uh, her committee appointments, and so on. I guess, what was your reaction to when, when, she, when you saw that letter? Well, I'm not surprised based on what I've seen from uh, the NDP government. I mean, certainly any time that you've seen opposition, or sorry, government uh, backbencher questions, they're clearly scripted. They're, you know, we've heard uh, some concerns from our colleagues across the way just in private conversations, uh, you know, of similar nature to, to Ms. Luff's. So, so it didn't surprise me that there was some frustration within the government caucus. Uh, I think what I was su- surprised by was the language. Uh, you know, I mean, for I think for a, a backbencher government MLA uh, to be able to say that she felt so bullied by her own caucus and her own leadership uh, that she couldn't sit in the legislature and represent her constituents, I, I think that was pretty alarming. Uh, and that's what really jumped out to me in her statement. What about your party? How does it work with you guys in, in terms of... Uh being free to advocate in public, uh, maybe taking a position that's different from the leaders or, or the party leadership. Our caucus, uh, you know, particularly because of the Wild Rose Legacy Party, which is, was a big part of our new party, uh, free votes are very important. And so our approach to this is, is very different. We, we meet as, as a caucus as a whole. I mean, it's very different than what Ms. Luff described in her letter. Obviously, I haven't been at an NDP caucus meeting, but we meet as a, as a team, we discuss things, we have open debate, we try to find compromise, um, try to come up with ideas together to be able to, uh, you know, to keep caucus united on issues. And sometimes we have different views, uh, which reflect the different constituents that we represent. And that's when you see split votes or those type of things in the legislature. Uh, but in general, we're, we're focused more on uh, trying to hear everybody's ideas and coming up with a broad consensus from, from our caucus. Okay. Because the example that's used to kind of counter that is what happened with Bill 9 when the entire caucus walked out uh, not to debate uh, that particular bill, which was controversial. That one didn't seem like there were free votes. It didn't seem like dissension was allowed. Well, I, I don't know if that's, uh, that's a fair assessment because I, I can tell you when that uh, discussion happened, that was a decision made by caucus. If, if a member of caucus had chosen that they did not 
you know, want to, to abstain with the rest of the caucus, they would have been allowed to vote. There was no, there was certainly no bullying uh, of individuals. Uh, that was caucus again who had a meeting and made a determination on how they wanted to approach this bill and they approached it as a team. But there was no one, no one that had a, a differing viewpoint on that issue that, that wanted to at least talk about the bill in public with, with the NDP? There was no one uh, once we got to the stage of debating in the legislature that had a different viewpoint. Caucus was very united on, on that strategy. Uh, certainly within caucus is uh, determining how we are going to approach that bill inside the legislature. There was open discussion about it. And, uh, but at the end of that discussion, uh, caucus was united on the approach. Okay. Well, we have about, uh, I think, three or four weeks left in the session. Uh, what's your goals for the, for the rest of the time? What are you hoping to accomplish? Well, our goals for this session are the same as any other session. We, uh, we, we want to uh, point out the flaws in the NDP legislation, recognize the good stuff in the NDP legislation, try to propose amendments that will strengthen legislation on behalf of our constituents, and do our job as Her Majesty's loyal opposition. And that, that's the, how we approach every session. The session will be no different despite the fact that an election is coming. Okay, we will wrap it up there. Uh, thanks very much for being with us. That was Jason Nixon, uh, MLA for uh, Rimby Rocky Mountain House Center. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week with another exciting guest.